A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Controversial subjects with the facts can be tense, but we are a sub-science here to make things make sense. Today, we are talking about vaccine misinformation and the mRNA vaccines with Anna Blakeney, an incredible biomedical engineer who can explain to you exactly how these vaccines work and also give us the right stuff we need to know in order to understand how to deal with vaccine hesitancy. It's such a good interview. Like, ooh, 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 ooh. The right ooh. stuff. Like, I feel like it's such a heated time in this pandemic. Here we are. Almost two years in, and it's the same feeling. Where I'm it's like, exhausted. We're all exhausted. She talks about that. She. It's just interesting that like we're all still dealing with vaccine hesitancy, especially in Canada. It's just there's so much like rhetoric right now around it, and it's sort of like taking over all of our brainwaves. So it's just an incredible interview to explain the science. But she also has like really great insight into how to deal with what we're all feeling with and you know how to deal with people who in your life might not have gotten the vaccine and yeah it's just such a good interview she's so smart i love smart people um, excited to hear it because greg did it and i didn't do it so i'm excited to hear you made you listen to the podcast I like know, he's my god for the first time ever um i feel shitty okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh my gosh. Will Man. the podcast help me feel better? Yes. Like, okay. Honestly, why, let's get into what we learned this week so you can know. Like, what? It, like, you can get. You I mean, know. that won't really speed up the speed at which I hear the No, but then you're going to get all passionate <laughs> about what you've learned and it's going to feel think? better. It's not like you can't therapize me right now. Like, no, no, no. It's not, it's not for the people. It's not for the people. I will, after this, massage your back. Oh, as if. Okay. <laughs> Um, we're Never in done a fight. In life. We're literally in a fight. Get into what we learned this week. <laughs> I forget which button it is. Oh, what did we learn this week? We just have a full fight. <laughs> okay, tell me. That'll help. honestly, this will help me. Explain to me what you learned on this okay, glorious but mine's earth. Stupid. <laughs> no, it's not. Okay, fine. Maybe it's a clue of what I need to do after this. Okay. <laughs> there are two words that can change how much you enjoy a cookie. Okay. Oh. So. <laughs> Apparently, human taste buds are very easily manipulated. Oh, for sure. Like when people are like, enjoy this new fancy beer. And I'm like, this objectively tastes like vomit, but I'll pretend <laughs> I like it. Or like, here, have a natural wine. I'm like, this tastes like soil. Oh, yeah. When but, people oh, are like, yum. can you taste the tones of banana? They're like apricot? And, yeah. I'm like, like yeah, yeah, apricot. <laughs> okay. Um, anyway, so this study wanted to look at the impact of labels on packaging and mm. how it would affect how good a taste a cookie tasted to people. <laughs> so when the cookies were labeled new and improved, new and improved, yeah, uh, people like thought they tasted so much better. <laughs> but when they were labeled 
consumer complaint, they were deemed significantly less tasty. Like, imagine a label <laughs> being like, consumers complained about this one. I know. And then so, um, even though it was the exact same cookie, obviously, um, there was a neutral cookie that was labeled <laughs> factory typical. Um, I was and like, what? People very- were just like in the middle of the other two? Yeah. I guess... People um, are so simple. <laughs> I know. It's like factory typical you think you'd like start putting together the study in that room it works on it works on me though it's true i mean um so ultimately the study realized that there is a way stronger negative bias due to labeling so Mm. even though the positive words made it taste better to people the negative words made it taste way worse um which i thought was interesting i love it like we are so not exposed to negative labels on that food that's true it's so so interesting that we've never seen yeah but you see negative reviews of food yeah you more or if you see an expiry date maybe you're more likely to immediately think it's bad and doesn't taste as good oh you know my, I mean? you do that mitch does it all the time oh, it's like a day pass it's like sour milk i'm like this is gorgeous that's not almond true milk. i'm pretty good with those if i smell it i just have a way more attuned nose oh, than yeah, you fair, fair, fair. greg literally eats like rotten food and then his <laughs> farts smell like absolute <laughs> oh garbage and i'm like that's because you ate rotten you're dragging me so hard (laughs) no it's because i don't like to waste food then eat it on time (laughs) (laughs) um okay what else did there was one other thing i want to say um oh they thought it was interesting because they were looking at highly likable foods and so like a cookie like a cookie and it was interesting that you could make a cookie taste much less desirable based on those words and ultimately this was like for product makers their takeaway was that if you design a product, it actually might be useful when you're testing your product on people before it's like in mass consumption um, to use negative labels like this. And see if it can like shine through. Yeah, because their, their thought was that a negative label opens up, um, like it, it attunes your mind more to the negative parts of something. Yeah. And so you can actually get a more fine-tuned response from people if they can suddenly taste oh it is really bitter you know like you might actually help them bring that out or if they're still like oh it's amazing even after a negative label then then you got a freaking product to sell honey asap science doing business <laughs> this week usually we're just ragging on capitalism um, but yeah it made me really laugh and think about there was definitely something that came out like this and remember when there was like a certain year when every restaurant started doing like the most insane descriptions. They're like farm fresh salmon with a hint of whatever. Like, Oh yeah. The same way wine and beer does. I feel like restaurants started describing like with a single picked leaf from a farm. I love like, I love farm fresh salmon. It's like, yeah, salmon's been farmed. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, that's not what you want. Yeah. (laughs) And I used to watch, um, like a lot of those, like, uh, restaurant makeover shows. And that would be like a huge part of their advice for them would be, they need to just like use beautifully descriptive words that kind of like over sensationalize. I'm sure there's a risk if you go too far, but yeah, cause it's true. Cause you're like too far. Then you're like, this is just a bad McCain sweet potato fry, but it does allow your imagination to like really be like wow yeah. like it does it does have that so i don't know i, I need a, a even like the menu, menu the way it looks like fancy restaurants will print it on like you know like almost like the cards that are made of seeds yeah like that like <laughs> it's like pressed paper like as if they've just been a like is this pioneer village. an appetizer <laughs> yeah or like it's just like thick it's like literally a pioneer just like pressed yeah. the pulpy paper and i'm like ooh, so good and then like we were at a restaurant recently where they just like printed it out on printer paper like with like 
Times New Roman print. And I was like, okay, this meal's going to suck. <laughs> Comic Sans. <you're> like, <laughs> yeah, um, but it's like, that's not fair. And I'm an idiot. And I'm part of this. I would totally fall for that. The if, restaurants in the back. Like, you, did you ever do this at school where you had to like um, torch? Like you'd like get a lighter oh, yeah. and make the corners look like it was an old map. Yeah, and put it in or tea. Or a scroll. Oh, whoa. Tea. You didn't put it in tea. Well, that's maybe the I tea. did. Okay. You definitely did. Probably. You, but then do you write on it after or before? No, you like print it on paper, which doesn't make sense. It's like <laughs> there wouldn't be a printing press. <laughs> <laughs> and then you put it into tea and then it like darkens burn the, the paper and then you burn the edges. Wow, uh, I want to do that. And then it's like you have a craft night. Maybe that'll make me happy. Okay, we're going to we're going to make <laughs> fake ancient oh, no, parts of the Caribbean scrolls tonight. That that then explain the uh cookies and why they're so delicious. Yeah. Actually, yeah. Cookies should be packaged like that. Mm-hmm. Like a rustic cookie. What did you learn? It well, I learned about out. pileated woodpeckers. Go off, Mitch. Oh. No, 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 no. Oh, wait. <laughs> I don't know. Just... What is Woody Woodpecker? Is, he... <laughs> is that Woody Woodpecker? Yeah, but that's not how they sound like. Oh, I know, but like, wonder why they gave him that noise. Yeah, why didn't they give him the accurate one? It's more of like a... <laughs> okay, wait, no. I was listening last night. It's like a pileated woodpecker. It's like... <laughs> What did you want me to go off? Just that there you saw was, one. Yeah, I did. Like so close. Okay. Was, did you know that's beautiful. rare? Beautiful. It was huge. So vibrant red with like a striped neck. Right? Is that? Yeah, and it's so big and it was shockingly big. And it was maybe like ten to twenty meters away from me, um, which is really cold. So close. Like, I was bird that big, panicking. I was skiing. We were cross country skiing. Yeah, Greg was like fifty meters ahead of me, and I was like. Greg! <laughs> and I literally like never run faster in my life. I you, saw like, it for like backwards. <laughs> 10 seconds, maybe even less. You must have seen it for a while because it was all that time I was panicking to get back to see it. Yeah, it was amazing. I didn't know it was so rare, but it's it is, rare. I guess the only second time we've seen one. And they're not making. Well, I mean, they're like they're not making them anymore. <laughs> no, they're <laughs> they've discontinued no. the pileated. Actually, the opposite. They were hunted so much sadly oh. in the early 1900s, but they've had a big resurgence. In, since the 1940s due to decreased logging and increased conservation. Oh, that's, that's a nice, nice. thing. It hear. really doesn't look like a bird that belongs in Canada. In yeah, that it like looks Costa very Rican. tropical. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely incredible bird. They stay in the winter. So what I learned was that in the fall, they're mostly eating like berries, but they'll also find carpenter ant colonies and eat Ooh. them a little bit. In the fall. But then they'll remember all the carpenter ant colony Names trees of each carpenter ant <laughs> no of, like they remember the, trees, the trees to go back in the winter when they're hungry so in the winter when they're eating carpenter ants it's because they've actually clocked where they all are oh my God. so when you saw it like on that tree it, like, it was probably, it knew it was like from the fall it knew to go back and that's why i'm they're always so like smart. why are there some trees that have so many holes in them because they had carpenter they ants in them at some point because I and then the trees are immediately surrounding have no holes. So I was like, yeah. That's so it's usually really interesting. I think carpenter ants are usually a dead tree, so like it uh-huh. will be dead like or fallen trees. Through. And usually the carpenter ants are only making it to like a meter off the ground. So the pileated woodpeckers, when they're eating them, are like low to the ground, so you can see them well. That one was very low when I saw mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. But isn't it crazy to think that they're so smart that like in a vast like we were in Algonquin Park in the vast Algonquin Park, it's like okay, so there's that. Claw, like carpenter ant colony and there's that one and it knows how to get back That's there unbelievable. like we would die we would be like yeah, what tree like, is what tree i don't know squirrels like plant all those nuts but they certainly don't remember where they put it well they might remember some but they, remember they, some, like, but they just, like sheer amounts and then they yeah, find them oh i, I love squirrels anyways that's what i learned i love um pileated woodpeckers yes she does i okay. think i think i love them too actually i wish i got to look at it longer 
I had to yell your name. It probably scared it. Yeah, I know. Well, that was nice of you. I would have killed you if you like. At the end of it, I was like, oh, by the way, I w- didn't catch up because I was staring at a gorgeous billiard book cover. Okay, we are going to get into an incredible interview to fully understand what these vaccines are doing and how we can deal with vaccine hesitancy. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry. And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, friends. Today, I wanted to do something a little different and introduce you to slash recommend a podcast that we really like called Our Opinions Are Correct, which is hosted by Charlie Jane Anders and Annalie Newitz. Every other week, Our Opinions Are Correct dissects a different topic related to science fiction, science, and everything in between, as they say. They've talked about stuff like how to write a good fight scene to the death of the universe, so it runs the gamut. Charlie Jane Anders is an award-winning author of several science fiction novels, including recently released Victories Greater Than Death, and Annalie Newitz is an award-winning science journalist who writes for the New York Times and the Atlantic, so they're both pretty epic and they know what they're talking about. Together, they will befriend cosmic monsters. You can subscribe to Our Opinions Are Correct on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen to your podcasts. This ad is brought to you by BetterHelp. Here at Side Note, you know we're obsessed with therapy, and that's what BetterHelp is all about. Is there something preventing you from achieving your goals? Can't pinpoint exactly what interferes with your happiness? Try BetterHelp. BetterHelp will assess your personal needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can connect in a safe and private online environment, which means no more uncomfortable waiting rooms. It's so convenient you can start communicating with a licensed therapist in less than 48 hours. You can send a message to your counselor anytime. And what's even better is BetterHelp is available worldwide. If you want to start living a happier life today, as a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash side note. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash side note for 10% of your first month. Study time. Study time. Study time. So we are here with Dr. Anna Blakeney, a professor of biomedical engineering at UBC. Okay, smart. (laughs) With a PhD in bioengineering. You also have an incredible TikTok. You can follow Anna.Blakeney. That's B-L-A-K-N-E-Y to get updated information about mRNA vaccines and everything going on with COVID. We wanted to have you on because I feel like even now so much of our audience is just wanting an update on where we're at with vaccines. And I feel like Mitch and I have talked everyone's ear off. We would love a true, actual smart person to tell us what's going on. (laughs) Welcome Uh, to the pod. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So the first thing I want to do, 
We've done this on our channel, but I want to do a refresher of what happens when you get these mRNA vaccines for COVID. If you could just explain it to people, this is always helpful information for people to have in their back pocket, maybe when they're at a dinner party with a vaccine hesitant person. <laughs> for sure. I think, um, yeah, having kind of these like quick snippets where you can just call back is, is the best thing you can have nowadays. For sure. So I like to explain it from just starting out with what are we even trying to do with a vaccine? So a vaccine is trying to train your immune system to recognize a pathogen, a virus before you ever see it. And so we do this by training your immune system to recognize usually a protein on the surface of that virus. And so there's many ways of introducing this protein into your, into your body. So we can do, inject you with a weakened or dead version of the virus itself. This is how vaccines used to be made historically, and, and some still are. Um, we could also just make the protein itself for a protein vaccine or the most recent technology that is now in the Pfizer and BioNTech and Moderna COVID vaccines is a messenger RNA vaccine. So the way this works is instead of injecting you directly with the protein, we give your cells the code to make the protein itself. And then your body learns to recognize that protein such that if you're ever exposed to COVID-19, you know, oh, sets off the alarm bells and, you know, tells you that there's an infection there. So essentially, mRNA for people who, that's sometimes I even think for a lot of people like, what's mRNA? You know what I mean? Like yeah. we're both like, have science degrees, so we got to know a lot. Like <laughs> mRNA is coding for the specific spike protein of COVID. So exactly. essentially what's happening is that mRNA is going into your cytoplasm which I think is really important for people to understand, not your nucleus, your cytoplasm. Yeah. Doesn't, doesn't sneak on in there. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Lots of, that's one sort of misinformation thing we can just debunk from the beginning is like, I love to say that to people, like it's staying in your cytoplasm, it's not going in your nucleus. For some reason, people think it's changing your DNA, like it literally can't. Um, and then your yeah. ribosome is reading the mRNA and creating the spike proteins. Yep. And so if anybody's unfamiliar with what messenger RNA is, I would say just quick overview, there's really like three important biological action molecules in your cells. So those are DNA, RNA, and proteins. And your DNA is, contains all the genetic information for all of the functions in your body. And the proteins are the molecules that actually carry out those functions. And messenger RNA is the stepping stone between DNA and proteins that contains just a tidbit of that code for a specific action for one of those proteins. Chef's kiss, Anna. That was gorgeous. <laughs> that was so well said. Yeah, exactly. It's the, it's the messenger between the DNA and the protein. So exactly. when we're thinking about maybe where we're at right now with COVID, where these mRNA vaccines are still effective to decrease severity of disease. Do you want to talk about that? Because I think what's happened now is people are starting to get upset that the vaccines aren't preventing them fully from being infected. So maybe let's talk about that for a bit because it's sort of like the current stage that we're all at with this pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. So I think the important thing to, when we have conversations about this is really like managing expectations. So these vaccines from the get-go have been shown to reduce disease severity and hospitalization very effectively. 
And, you know, ideally, I mean, even just being super open and transparent, of course, we would love to have a vaccine that had what we call like sterilizing immunity, such that if you get the vaccine, you don't even get an infection. Um, that's, that's the ultimate goal. But right now, the vaccines that we have are capable of preventing severe disease and hospitalization. And so I think something that people have also realized over time is that, or I guess have become aware of over time, and, you know, we're learning more about this immunology and the immune response to COVID every day um, is that, yeah, so we've seen over time that there's all these changes in the virus, right? And so there's new strains all the time, Delta, Omicron, and even though the efficacy isn't as high as it was originally for the original virus, the, the vaccines are still really effective at preventing severe disease and hospitalization. We have like really excellent data on that still today. Okay, so that's like the, that's the talking point. It's like severe disease, hospitalization, that's what vaccines prevent against. And I think for personally, like us in Ontario, like we now know the issue is our healthcare system. Like we are functioning on the brink of it when things are normal. So when there's a global pandemic, like hospitalizations are truly what lead to these shutdowns and these lockdowns. So it's interesting to think and remember that the vaccine is preventing hospitalization. So you're doing your part in allowing yourself to be a part of the, you know, movement to get back out there and up, get rid of a lockdown and get back to normal life, quote unquote, by getting the vaccine. Because you're essentially, as you said, decreasing your ability to get severely sick and decreasing hospitalizations on top of also keeping yourself safe. Like, it's so funny. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> it's like primary, like it definitely keeps you safe. But I think that's an excellent point, which is that we often forget it's like there's this there's this group benefit right and i would say hospitals are like one of the main reasons to get this because it's not just people that are infected with covid but when the hot the healthcare systems are overwhelmed it affects people with every sort of disease right it's like if you remember like for a long time during the pandemic people were having trouble getting like surgeries cancer treatments all these different things because the healthcare system was just too overwhelmed so the more that we can minimize that the better it is for literally everybody so a lot of people i was just looking at our video in which we explain how the mRNA vaccines work. We released this last spring before they were even available to us. It's really funny. Like the tense in which we're speaking is like, we hope one day we get one. And like, here we are. I'm like, I got them. I got three. Like, um, <laughs> it's, in, it's in me. <laughs> it's in me. Like, yeah, it's so funny. Like, I'm. it's like we're speaking hypothetically about the science, which is coming in and which we all knew about. But we do mention like, all the comments are just so intense right now. Although if I, I, I clicked newest comments and they're all people watching it and just saying like, LOL, like this is so wrong. Like, they're, like it's just crazy how much energy there now is against these vaccines. And I think what they were trying to say is again, it's like we now need to keep updating them. So I want to talk a little bit about that. But also, they're all just like, it's too new. It's too new. Like, not me first. LOL. Like, you go first. Like, I'm curious about that because I want to talk about the history of mRNA vaccines. Like, these have been around for a long time. I'd love to, for you to speak on that. And then also just like sort of give maybe us like an example of why you, someone who's has a PhD in, in literally biomedical engineering, why you're like, this is fine. Like, it's we can't like constantly say like not me first like at what point is it 
been two years or whatever. That was a really loaded way of saying, let's go through the history of mRNA vaccines. (laughs) And then I'll get to that sort of second part of my question. Okay, sounds good. So I think it's super interesting to consider the history. And I think as like a science educator, it's a huge failure on our part that more people don't know the history of RNA vaccines. But actually RNA for the like, was shown to you know be useful in vivo for the first time in 1990 so it's like over 30 years ago people have been doing these studies and doing this research research progress just takes a long time because you know the studies take a while you have to get funding for it like it just takes a lot of development but that being said i think something that most people don't know or may come as a surprise is actually the first rna vaccine clinical trial started in 2013 So this Hmm. was a trial that was started by CureVac for a rabies vaccine. And so that means that we now have, I guess, you know, nine years of long-term safety data from those people that were in that trial, right? And it was very similar RNA formulation. And so there's no reason to think that the vaccines that were used in these studies, even though they're for a different indication, would have any other long-term side effects compared to the initial study in 2013. Um, And so that is something that definitely comforts me is just knowing that there's people that actually have had these for almost 10 years now. And so as scientists, that's our best evidence for, you know, deducing whether there will be long effects or not. So in Um, 2013, they were getting mRNA vaccines for rabies, these specific people. And then are there any other examples outside of like rabies, like that were randomly RNA vaccines were being trialed in humans prior to this Mm -hmm. pandemic? Yeah. Yep. So Moderna also had a a flu mRNA vaccine. Um, BioNTech had done some cancer mRNA vaccines trials in humans. So it was by no means like the first RNA vaccine clinical trials that were carried out. Um, it was it was definitely the first phase three. So those had, were, those were all like either phase one or phase two trials. So smaller trials. So nobody had done an efficacy trial before, but they've been used in human clinical trials for a, a long time now. Is it true that the mRNA that is injected in you initially will be degraded by your body within like six months? Oh, even sooner than that. So anybody who's worked with RNA before will tell you it's like, such a pain it's really susceptible to an enzyme called rnas which is everywhere it's on the surfaces it's on our skin it's everywhere so work wait on RNAs, the surfaces of what your desk everything everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> rnas oh my god rnas enemies everywhere so keeping keeping it alive is a, a hard thing to do initially um and in your body, you also have these <laughs> molecules that, that break down foreign RNAs that may enter your cell. Um, so yeah, so when we see, when we inject animals with RNA, we see protein expression for around three to five days and then the RNA degrades and that signal is gone. So it's only here for a fleeting amount of time. I think that's important for people to know, like in the way that vaccine mis- misinformation is very emotional and not really rooted in any science. It's rooted in a lot of like, almost like intellectual simplicities. I'm like, that's an intellectual simplicity that like we should start talking about. It's like you're injecting yourself with something and then your biochemical machinery, your ribosomes are making the spike protein. Your immune system is then essentially like reading the spike protein. There's B cell, T cell mediated immunity. And then that literal injection of the RNA is now 
gone. Like it's literally like yeah. it's out of me after my booster shot, which I got more than a month ago. It's like, it's just, int- it's just like, I think important people to realize like the stuff that you're putting in your body to help you decrease your, um, severe disease and decrease your hospitalization is literally like degraded like so yeah. quickly. She gone. She, she gone. gone. She eaten up by the <laughs> RNAs, which is on your desk. <laughs> we would, I mean, honestly, we would love if it sticked ar- stuck around for longer because that might make the vaccines even better. But currently it's three to five days. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I want to talk a bit about T cell mediated immunity. Have you mm-hmm. been learning about that recently? I just find a lot of the recent research is sort of about how maybe we've been not looking into how these vaccines are increasing our T cell mediated immunity. And that might be the key to the end of this pandemic. Do you want to speak on that a little bit? And I can talk a bit about where I'm at with that in my head. Yeah, sure. So I guess for those who aren't familiar, there's kind of two arms to the immunity for vaccine responses that we we normally characterize. And so one of those that I think everybody has heard about now is antibodies. Yeah. And so those antibodies are produced by B cells. There's also another arm of the immune system that's called the cellular immunity, which is primarily T cells. So T cells are responsible for lots of different things, including stimulating the B cells, but they can also specifically kill cells that are infected with a virus. So this, this could be really important because there's, there's lots of ways that your immune system can block cells from getting, or more cells from getting infected, right? So the main problem right now is that we don't currently have for COVID what's called a correlate of protection, which is just a fancy way of saying we don't have something that we can measure in your blood, whether it's an antibody level or some sort of like level of T cell or specificity that we know will protect you from getting the disease. And so most of the time, like the current school of thought and some primate studies indicate that this is probably neutralizing antibodies. So these are antibodies that glob onto the surface of the virus and prevent it from entering your cell even initially. Um, But the T cell response is also really important in this. And why it's kind of gotten more attention recently is because it could be really key in continuing to have immunity as these variants progress because people have shown that the T cell immunity that we're getting is more durable and more, I guess it's, it's more broad to all these different variants that are coming out than the antibody responses that we've made to the original vaccines. So the anti, the neutralizing antibody energy of a vaccine or getting infected from it and then, surviving and therefore having immunity is related to your B cells. Mm-hmm. So like what exactly is the B cell doing? Yeah. So, um, <laughs> pardon. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so the B, the B cells are, um, so when, when that spike protein is, uh, in your body, so when it's there, the MRNA gives you the code, your code, your gives, your cells the code, your code produce, or your cells produce the protein, sorry. And then you have other immune cells that are called 
professional antigen presenting cells. Obsessed with immunology's horrible names. (laughs) (laughs) Like they were doing really well with the like professional. Yeah, yeah, like they're gonna work hard. (laughs) And they're like, and then it kind of goes downhill from there and like antigen presenting cells. So what does that mean? Like what is an antigen presenting cell? And so that, I think of it as like, a king's butler or something like that where it's like sir here is your spike protein we think this might be a problem and it hands it to the b cell and then the b cell is like okay i will take that into account and start making some antibodies against it like send out the troops gotcha and that's against the spike protein so for people listening that's why maybe the vaccines have decreased in efficacy as the spike protein continues to evolve so crazy crazy fast Exactly. So what, you know, we're really good at tracking and, and seeing all these changes in the virus. I think there's been incredible global efforts to do this. And it's just fascinating how much teamwork there is for that. And so one of the things that, yeah, you, you mentioned earlier, and I think is really important as we progress is being able to make new vaccines to these different variants and understand, you know, can we make vaccines that have give you immunity to many different strains and possibly even future strains that we don't have yet of of SARS-CoV-2. So I know uh, very recently in the past month or so, um, Moderna and I believe Pfizer have both started clinical trials for an Omicron vaccine variant. And so we're we're responding and I think that will be really useful, but we're still being quite reactive, right? It's yeah. like Omicron is here. It's like we've seen peaks in a lot of places and it's starting to drop off. Um, and so I think there there will still be a function from that. Like it's just going to continue to evolve from there. Um, but yeah, coming back to this, like one of the major advantages of just is just how quick it is to make these new RNA vaccines, because essentially as soon as you have that code of the spike protein, you just type it in (laughs) to some software, you order the DNA, you make RNA from that DNA, that process could take like a week or two, and then you have your new vaccine and you're ready to go. So it doesn't take very long, but again, coming back to this idea of a correlative protection is one of the reasons why we're able to like make and um, approve a new flu vaccine every year, like clockwork, is because we have a correlative protection for flu. So the vaccine makers know like, okay, we've made this new batch, we just have to test it in this assay. And once it passes that, it's good to go. But we don't have that yet for COVID. So when you make a new vaccine, you still have to go through all of these clinical trials and you know the companies and the governments and the regulators are all working together to decide like, what makes sense as far as doing like a whole long trial with tons of people or doing a shorter trial that gives us enough information to make a good decision about this vaccine. Do you have any predictions? I want to keep going with this before I go on to something else, but about when we could maybe have a correlative, what was it called? <laughs> correlative protection. Correlative protection for <laughs> COVID or is that like unprecedented and it's like you just, there's no way to know. So people are, as you can imagine, this is a huge priority in the field, right? And there is some really nice work that came out of um, the NIH and in collaboration with Moderna. And they did this primate study to see like what they studied, you know, 
everything about the immunology to see like what was predictive of protecting you from infection. And that paper indicated that there's a certain threshold of neutralizing antibody titer. And so that's kind of a step closer, but we need to confirm that in humans, right? Because there can be sometimes differences between these, you know, preclinical models and human clinical trials. So would you almost be predicting how the spike protein is going to mutate and then making, like, is that possible? Um, So I guess from a virology perspective, as we are learning more about how it's changing, like it's it's possible that we can start to get an understanding of how it's and why it's mutating like it is. Um, But, you know, we've been trying to do that for a lot of viruses for a long time. Hmm. Right. So two two that come to mind is like HIV and flu. Those are two viruses that mutate really rapidly and we're not great at predicting what is going to come out of this. So what we're trying to do now is just understand, Okay, so if we have these vaccines and, you know, the certain level of immunity against certain strains of covid in the population, does that mean that going forward, we're going to have some level of protection? And and how would it, introducing a new vaccine change that? Yeah, because that's all talking about like B cells and the B cells little butlers called the <laughs> professionals. I'm going to leave it there. Professional <laughs> antigen preventing cells. The professional <laughs> antigen preventing cells rolls off the tongue. Like <laughs> that is how the vaccine being designed, you know, for past strains. It's It's, you know, evolving quickly. We know that every time it enters a new population where people are unvaccinated, or immunocompromised or anyone gets sick with it, like it has opportunities to mutate. That is the B cells and their butlers figuring out the spike protein and essentially preparing your immune system for when it gets infected in the future. Mm-hmm. But but the T cell mediated immunity, I want to go back to that because that is what I find is interesting. And when I think about boosting and all the, you know, the ways that I run out to get a vaccine because I'm so excited about it, <laughs> My understanding is that now they're realizing like when you get these mRNA vaccines, you are essentially like boosting your T cell mediated immunity to COVID. And I'm just mm-hmm. curious, like what, what is getting a vaccine doing to our T cells? And do you mm-hmm. know that? Yeah. Okay. So it's actually very similar to what a booster would do to your B cells. So in the same way, these professional antigen presenting <laughs> cells also present the spike protein to your T cells because they need to know what to recognize, right? They're like, they're walking around and just being like, I am ready to kill, but I don't know what to kill. (laughs) And so until the butler presents them with that spike protein, they're they're nonspecific. They're just T cells like ready, but they, they don't, they're unfocused. So in the same way, when you get the booster, it's like, oh, this again? Like, okay, ramp it up, guys. Like, we, we like go get them. <laughs> so the T-cell mediated immunity, though, is still relying on the spike proteins to do its thing. But for whatever reason, it has a more broad ability to protect you regardless of the spike protein mutating. That's yeah. what I find a little confusing. Like, I feel like right now the research I've read is like, they just know they're like the T cell mediated immunity is maybe what we need to focus on. Cause, but like, do they know why? Or now we just know that it's just what's helpful as the spike protein mutates for whatever reason, what the vaccine's doing to your T cells is allowing you to be protective and get yeah, the disease so, less severely. Yep. Yeah, so there's, 
the important part of this is that we don't yet have a perfect understanding of that mechanism and why, like the role of T-cell mediated immunity in SARS-CoV-2, other than that, it looks like it's boosting and it lasts for a long time. And like, that's great. Like we, <laughs> we want that to be a thing, right? Um, the difference is, so when those antigen presenting cells present the spike protein to B cells or T cells, they actually don't present the whole thing in its in its full form. They actually chop it up into bits and they're like, here's a part, here's a part, here's a part, like you get a spike, you get a spike, you get a spike, but it's all like different little parts of it. Okay. And so because of that, there's just differences in the way that T cells and B cells take up and respond to those little peptides, the parts of the protein. And so because of that, it just affects it affects them differently. It affects the different neutralizing antibodies that you might make, and it also affects the different epitopes or regions of the proteins that these T cells might recognize. Wow, that's so, oh, it's all so cool. It's so funny because <laughs> I'm like, oh, I just want all these things in my body because it's like amazing. <laughs> so when we think about people who are vaccine hesitant or we're in this sort of like era of people in our, you know, privileged country of Canada where we have free access to these vaccines and for some reason people still aren't getting them. What are some of the main misinformation points that you're hearing that are sort of maybe a little frustrating to you? If you could just tell us some just in case we hear them out in our day to day and if there's any way we can just understand how to talk about it to those people. Absolutely. So, yeah, this is something that I think is really important and actually I would say it starts off with this idea of like what is vaccine hesitancy and the way that we talk about it. So when we say vaccine hesitancy in normal conversation almost always has this very negative connotation, right? Yeah. But I actually think vaccine hesitancy is great. Like it means you're questioning what you're going to put into your body. Yeah. We've been trying to get people do that for you know, a long time. That's a <laughs> like, really good ask, point. Ask yeah. questions about it, right? Like, I think it's great. So, and from my experience on TikTok and talking to people, there's like, we, we tend to categorize people into like pro-vax or anti-vax. And I would say actually the majority of people is in this vaccine hesitance category in between. And I think that's great. Like, I think the problem is that a lot of times people don't have anybody to ask questions to, or a lot of the information they're coming from is, or they're getting is coming from the government or the media. And they just may not have the same trust in those people as far as receiving information. Hmm. So I guess I just want to say, like, I, I totally understand, like, even just observing as a scientist in the field, like, Prior to January 2020, there were so few scientists that knew what RNA vaccines were, like understood how they worked, and now billions of people have gotten them. So just the gap between how fast the science progresses and how quickly that's communicated to the public, there's a huge lag there, right? Yeah. And so I, I guess that's like my whole mission for being on TikTok is to be able to educate people about vaccines and have these conversations. Like I like getting the skeptical questions and, and everything. So I guess to answer, this is a very, no, that's, a, that's all like, <laughs> that's so important to hear you say that. And it is so true. Vaccine hesitancy is so important. Yeah, 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 it's a good thing. Yeah, be vaccine hesitant, but also do your homework to decide yeah. like, whether it's the right choice for you, right? Like, that's, there's also some personal responsibility in there. That's so true. Like when I think about that video we made about how the vaccine works in your body, 
I would never have gotten it if I hadn't made that video. You know what I mean? Like I would have obviously had to figure out what the heck was going on before I ever got it. So that's interesting. Like, wow. Like I'm so privileged in the sense that I'm a science communicator. So I have all the resources to learn these things. Exactly. So it is kind of crazy to think of all the people who got it, who maybe didn't even necessarily know. Yeah. It's a huge trust fall, right? Where it's like, you know, as being someone who has a scientific education, you can see the papers, the journal Uh, articles and the data that's put out and you know what that means, you know how to interpret it. But for, you know, just the average person, they don't, they don't speak that language. They're like, what do you, what are all these statistics? What does this mean? Like, it's just, it's totally non-interpretable for, for most. Yeah. Like all my friends literally got it and trust fell into me. Like they were just like, oh, well, Greg said to get it. So I'm getting it. It's like, wow, (laughs) you really trust me, babe. (laughs) <laughs> so like what so to back to the question like what are the main sort of because that's the thing is that there's so much opportunity if you're trying to do your research to find misinformation so mm-hmm. what are the main sort of things that you're hearing or seeing that yeah, you so have to combat a bit there's two main you know there, it comes in waves yeah. um, but there's two main ones that have pervaded throughout the entire pandemic was is it safe so really kind of getting into this idea of like long-term effects and, you know, what are the side effects and, you know, hearing tons of things about, I mean, if you've gotten it, like I had a terrible reaction to the, the second dose that I got, like first and third were fine, but I was like literally in bed on the couch for 24 hours after my second dose. I was like, we need better vaccines. <laughs> 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 um, but you hear about all these side effects, like the myocarditis, um, you know, all these things that that come out and we're studying. And I think it's really good to be transparent about them. So we already talked about the long term side effects. I think the the adverse events are also really important to just openly talk about. Like, yeah, there is an increased risk of myocarditis in certain age groups. It's usually younger males, specifically after the second second shot. And the thing to keep in mind is that it's always a risk benefit analysis, right? So when we when we talk about that, it's usually kind of framed in a single lane where we're like, okay, get the vaccine or not. But what we really need to consider is like, especially now with Omicron, like statistically, you are going to be exposed to COVID. So it's like, get the vaccine or get COVID. And no matter what, for all of these adverse events that are associated with the RNA vaccines, the risk of myocarditis, any of these adverse events is way higher for getting COVID itself. So that's Mm. the risk benefit that we need to be doing is it's not just like getting the vaccine or not getting the vaccine, it's getting the vaccine versus getting the virus. Like it is everywhere you will be exposed to it. That's really interesting. So it's like, okay, obviously there is an increased chance of getting myocarditis from the vaccine, but it's lower than getting COVID. But with Omicron being so, I'm just repeating what you're saying, trying to understand mm-hmm. with Omicron being so contagious and everywhere you're going to be exposed. So you will have a decreased chance of getting myocarditis if exposed to COVID by getting the vaccine. Yes, exactly. So it's just like, if you, if you get the vaccine, there's a certain risk of getting myocarditis. If you get COVID not being vaccinated, that risk of myocarditis is way higher. So what about like what you said earlier though, like we already went over the long-term effects, like is the Mm -hmm. way that you would combat that being like, we've been studying this since 2013 in humans. And we've also like the mRNA is degraded within you. It's been Mm -hmm. two years since the first 
people have gotten them pretty much like billions of people have gotten them now um the other another important study or like tidbit of data that people may not be aware of is these actually weren't the first rna formulations drugs to be approved there's actually one in 2018 called on patro so this is not a vaccine but as far as the ingredients of it, it contains RNA in these LMPs. And it's small, it's a type of RNA called small interfering RNA, and it treats a type of disease called amyloidosis. And so you, so that drug is FDA approved since 2018, contains RNA in the lipid nanoparticles, just like the vaccine does. And these patients get an infusion of this every single month. So when you ask about like, okay, like, you know, one dose was okay, two doses okay, now we have to get a third booster. Like, are we gonna see any side effects from having to get multiple mRNA vaccines? Hmm. There have been people that have gotten monthly infusions of RNA and lipid nanoparticles for years now. And, you know, if there were any repeated dosing issues, they would be immediately apparent. So Definitely what was what, what was that called? What was that? Just it, like... It's called on Patro. On and what are they getting it for? Uh, so they have a, a disease that causes a, a misfolded protein, essentially, and mm. so the siRNA goes in and and corrects that. Wow. So it's like okay, and that was from 2018. Yep. So for the most part, you're hearing there's the myocarditis thing which was famously debunked on Joe Rogan or whatever. Like, I feel like that's happened. Like, um, but like the, the not me first, like I'm nervous, like let other people get it first. Like it's been how long and billions of people, like, is it fair to just say like, according to science, like if something bad were to happen, it would have happened by now. Like, I think a lot of people think like 10 years, 20 years from now, how would you, you know, explain that to someone? Cause I think, for me, I wouldn't know what to say because it's like, of course, 10 years, 24 years from now, we can't know. Like science isn't just like this like monolithic future predictor. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so, how would you talk to someone who's afraid about so, 10 years? Yeah, the way that I think about that is like, I guess the like not me first question is, as you said, like billions of people have gotten these now. So if something happens, like a large population of the world is going to be on the same page, but I think that's highly, highly unlikely. Um, the, uh, what was I going to say? Um, the, like the future 10 years, like kind of uh, like what, if there's any way you can like talk about that? Like, I, I don't know. It's like one of those things I understand science enough to be like, I'm not scared, but I could see why someone would be like, oh. we don't know. Yeah. Sorry. We got my train of thought. Yeah. Um, so in that case, there are other vaccines out there, right? There's two RNA vaccines, but there's also different types of vaccines out there. Um, so the AstraZeneca and Johnson & Johnson vaccines, which I think have like largely fallen out of use because of how well the RNA vaccines work, are still available in some places, but there's also new vaccines coming online. So I know there's there's a vaccine called the Novavax vaccine, which is a protein-based vaccine. So kind of more traditional style of vaccine that actually they just applied for emergency youth use authorization in the States um, this past week. Hmm. And so Novavax has kind of like a cult following, I think, because it's like all the people that are like, we want a vaccine, but not an mRNA vaccine. <laughs> and so 
I say like my attitude is like the more the merrier. Like I'm obviously biased because I love RNA and RNA vaccines, but if you feel more comfortable getting a Novavax vaccine, like that works for me. So it's a protein vaccine in the sense that they're like giving you the spike protein information, like as opposed to the mRNA that's read by your ribosome. Exactly. So they manufacture the spike protein themselves, and then that's what is injected into your arm. So it's, but it's still not like the weakened virus one. No. So it's, it's not a viral vaccine. It's just, it's just the protein, which they manufacture at large scale and and purify. And that process, that process takes a long time, which is why it's like Hmm. February of 2022. And this is just starting to kind of come online, like almost I guess more than two full years after the RNA vaccines first became available. Okay, obsessed with like the people, the cult following for the Novavax. <laughs> like I am like, that is awesome. Like it's like whatever, go off. If you're like educated enough to have whatever reason to be scared of mRNA, which like personally I'm like, you shouldn't be, but like, it's still like amazing. Like I yeah, hope I- like I like go for it. Like I love that. Yeah. I, I agree. I think it's really funny. It's like something I've seen on my TikTok. It's like every time I post about Novavax, people are like, yes, waiting for this. Like, can't wait till it's available. And I'm like, wow, that's like, I love the dedication. <laughs> they're like the alt. <laughs> know your lane. Yeah, the like alt sort of like hip version of the vaccine. Yeah. Oh, I'm actually waiting out for the more protein yeah, based like- one. Exactly. I I feel like it was like kind of at the beginning of the pandemic where it was like, I saw lots of videos about this, how it was like, there were just different identities, whether you got like (laughs) J&J or Moderna or Pfizer and people would be like team Moderna, team (laughs) Pfizer. And now like, I mean, a lot of people in Canada have had this whole like mishmash of vaccines. Yeah. (laughs) That's the importance of understanding how they work too. Like that's how I went from Pfizer to Moderna back to Pfizer. Like was doing my research. So it's like, I am really proud of everyone who's gotten them and likely done more research than I realized. Like, and probably gotten out of their comfort zone with science, maybe not having a degree and doing their, you know, getting enough information for them to feel comfortable. Yeah, totally. And I think that's, that's something that I actually like, it feels weird to say, but I think I have really appreciated about the pandemic is so many people have learned more about (laughs) science and vaccines and immunology and epidemiology. Like you hear people saying like, it's like you hear like my parents will be like, well, what about the neutralizing antibodies? And like (laughs) three years ago, they were like, and what is it that you work on? (laughs) That's amazing. I totally agree. We hear so much about the loud, like, you know, I'm going to say anti-vaxxers as opposed to maybe vaccinated. Like, they're just, there's so much energy that we all put into, like, the frustration of certain things. But, like, we're always forgetting these large numbers of people who in Canada have, you know, gone out there and done their research and contributed to trying to keep as many people as possible safe. Like, it is just something that gets so ignored. And I have to constantly remember to think about, like, the beauty of the way we've all sort of come together to learn about science, deal with this pandemic. Like, so for the most part, we have all done such an incredible job. And I think that that's so forgotten. We're always like, oh, how can you have any faith in humanity after this? But I'm like, that's just because we're focusing on all the negative stories. Exactly. And I know people are like now just like super exhausted with everything. But I feel like everybody should just like get an award for like doing what they could during the pandemic. It's like all the people that like mobilized and got vaccines. We had like an amazing rollout in Canada. It like makes me emotional thinking about how 
well-oiled that machine was as far as like the system and people coming and like all the volunteers to to vaccinate people um but i think also i just like whenever i talk to people that are anti-vax or you know i i just keep in mind that everybody has had a terrible time in one way or another during the pandemic mm -hmm. right like there have been so like jobs living situations, healthcare situations, fear, uncertainty for years now. And so you just have to consider that like people, I think honestly are just doing the best that they can. And so I think, yeah, I just try to come, come at it with like a really compassionate attitude of like, I acknowledge that like I work in RNA vaccines, a field that nobody really knew about prior to the <laughs> pandemic and now everybody is excited about. So you have to just take, I take into consideration like how grateful I am that <laughs> this has benefited me in a yeah. way, right? And so, but that's not true for like the majority of the population. Like yeah. for many people, it was like a struggle this whole time. And so that I can, I can totally understand. And so if that manifests as like fear or like not wanting to get a vaccine, like I understand, but if you ever have any questions that I can answer, I'm happy to answer them. Oh, such a gorgeous like way of thinking about it. <laughs> so like the last thing I want to ask you about is just sort of like, I feel like fitness vibes. Like I feel like I've like, we had to go leave like a trainer cause like they were anti-vax. Like, you know, like I feel like there's sort of this weird, like, I don't know how to describe it. It's like this health nut sort of like, I don't need the vaccine. Like I eat well and work out. Like I, I sometimes I'm like really surprised how often I met hmm. with that. And I, and I always, I'm like, you can't work out your immune system. But like people really think that like, you know, you can. So how do you talk about that? And obviously, like, they're really passionate about what they're saying, because of course, like, health, what you put into your body, eating, all of these things affect how your homeostasis and body works. Like, that is science. And I think that's why a lot of them can feel quite self-righteous about their health. How do yeah. you sort of talk about that in regards to mRNA vaccines? This is more me mining information for a bunch of the kind of like, you know, health gym people I meet who are like, you know, think that they're almost like above a vaccine. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, I guess to me, I think about it as like tools in a toolkit and the tools that we have right now, like there's many, right? Like we're trying to stay as healthy as possible. And yeah, that does mean like we know there are things that you can do for your health that benefit it, like working out, getting eight hours of sleep, you know, uh, drinking water, <laughs> yeah. making sure that your vitamin D levels like are at the level they should be at. Um, there's lots of things that, that help your health. Like you should absolutely be doing that, but that does not give you any sort of specific immunity to COVID. The only way to get this specific immunity is to get a vaccine or to get COVID. And so just by saying like, oh, I'm, you know, perfectly healthy or as healthy as I can be, like, that's true, but you're not using all the tools in your toolkit. Like you're using some of the tools, but you have access to these vaccines and, you know, other things that have been proven to work really well. And so why not? It's, it's kind of illogical, right? It's like, why not use all the tools in your toolkit? If you believe in just some of these tools, like that's great, but it's not a, it's not a holistic view. Interesting. And then that... 
Yeah, okay, that's that's such a good way. And that's so funny. They're like, holistic nutritionist. It's like, it ain't a holistic view. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, and maybe it's like holistic nutrition, but it's like holistic in the landscape of what's available. Like you're ignoring that vaccines work and give you immunity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, okay, that's like, that's so interesting. That's a really good way of saying it too. It's like not sort of, acknowledging that they're saying something, you know, it's like, yeah, of course, like, it's great that you're healthy. It's great that you're going to the gym and working out and drinking water and doing what you can to stay healthy and getting good amounts of sleep. Like, that's not a bad thing. I'm not going to yeah, tell you that's I'm not, not arguing. Yeah. Like, do yeah. That. We know it makes your immune system stronger, but it does not make your immune system specific to a virus. Wow. Okay. That's okay. I just need to put that in my toolkit for when people say that. <laughs> yeah. And, and I really love your approach to all of this, just being like, we have the information. We have access to these things. It's going to help you. It's going to be safer always than getting the virus. It's going to be safer than getting the virus. So why and not do it? And you will get exposed to the virus. And you will get exposed to the virus, especially since Omicron stomped onto the dang scene. <laughs> it's everywhere. Okay. Honestly, this has all been so helpful. I just want to re-say your TikTok. Maybe you can say it because it's so great and you can just get constant information like this. Yeah, sure. It's it's at Anna.Blakeney. Um, I love getting questions from people. I try to respond as often as I can. So yeah, please feel free to reach out. Even if you think it's a really stupid question, I, I'd love to have a conversation. So Anna, A-N-N-A dot B-L-A-K-N-E-Y. And yes. you're and you're also just like teaching like at a university about mRNA <laughs> vaccines. Has the enrollment for the mRNA science like <laughs> skyrocketed like are all these yeah. students like i need to be a part of this i think i think everybody's really excited about rna right now um usually i'm just like tr like recording videos and trying not to like get caught by any of my colleagues just over here like <laughs> just we're all just doing our jobs right <laughs> <laughs> like as you're making tiktoks i'm like carrying my ring light around <laughs> like well it's, it's important right <laughs> Is this how I get tenure? <laughs> That's so cool. So you're at UBC? Mm -hmm. Wow. Are you from British Columbia? I'm not. I'm actually from Colorado originally, but I moved to Vancouver just over a year ago. And prior to that, I was in, in London. England. England. Wow. Yes. Only, only, only Canadians ask me that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, not London, Ontario? <laughs> oh, my a God. A different level of glamour. Yeah. <laughs> She's international, baby. <laughs> Well, thank you so much. I think this is just like such an important refresher for me and for everyone listening. And yeah, just go check out your TikTok to get constant information. And we're all doing our best. And we are so proud of people listening to this podcast who are, you know, doing what they can to become as educated on what's going on. So thank you so freaking much. Agreed. Thanks so much for having me. Also, peace. Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out at the French Open for a chance to win a Grand Slam title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. See the action unfold as legends fight for glory and new rivalries emerge. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th, with match replays on demand so you never miss a moment. From the first serve to the final point, Roland Garros promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. 
How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.